Hello and welcome back to Manchester's Big Theatre Podcast. Hello, hello. Um, we're currently on a tram, uh, on a Metrolink tram, um, heading to record our episode seven. But before we get started on episode seven, we just want to say a few thank yous. Uh, from the episode last week, I want to say a massive thank you to Mankmaid, who are always super, super supportive, always retweeting us, commenting, yeah. sharing, loving. Thank uh, you. This is a service to Rochdale via <laughs> The next stop will be Westwood. So, on to episode seven. Um, any guesses on where we're going? Yeah, you've had a few minutes to think about it now, so uh, just get those guesses. Uh, shout out those guesses now in three, two, one. If you shouted out just then at Oldham Coliseum, you are correct. You are the winner. Um, if you uh, didn't say that, um, or you didn't participate... Uh, then you're the loser. Then you're the loser, yes. This is going to be a day in rehearsal with Chris Lawson uh, doing Taste of Honey. So the play, The Taste of Honey, we thought we'd give a quick synopsis. So, Taste of Honey is the first play by the British dramatist Sheila Delaney, and it was written when she was only 19. It's set in Salford in the 1950s, and it tells the story of Jo, who's a 17-year-old working-class girl, and her mother, Helen. They both move into a new flat, and the play is all about their relationship. The play sees them meet various men, including Peter, who goes out with Jo's mother and treats her very badly, Jo's flatmate when she decides to move out, the homosexual Geoffrey, and Jimmy, a black sailor. We spoke to some of the actors, the director, Chris Lawson, and the designer, Sammy. We started by asking what the play was about. Um, my name's Gemma, and I play Jo. My name's Kerry, and I play Helen. It's about, so the title, The Taste of Honey, um, it's a biblical reference, and what it refers to is a little bit of sweetness, a little bit of goodness in your life. And, uh, but it's quite short-lived. It's quite short-lived, yeah. goodness, yeah. And in this play, uh, because it's focused around a mother-daughter relationship, because they're both women, it quite often comes with consequences. So um, it's about moments, it's about a mother-daughter relationship, it's about, for me, it's about how much has changed since 1958 and perhaps how much, surprisingly, hasn't changed. And it's about uh, people who are reaching for something uh, and moments of pleasure and, and kind of what, the, what happens to them, that they have to pay a price for that pleasure. OK, you're in the space. Five new actions. Think about your five on a loop from yesterday. Five new actions, going through your five. This time you're going to put, um, use text with the action, okay? So, it's five actions. So, Chris, can, um, can, well, I just spoiled the surprise of who you are. It's Chris <laughs> from episode one. From episode one. I wish I hadn't been episode one. I heard everyone else's. You and they went, oh, I should have said this, I should have said this. You just, for people who maybe, I don't imagine there are many people left who haven't listened to episode one, but if anybody hasn't <laughs> listened to episode one, um, who are you, what do you do? Uh, I'm Chris Lawson, I'm Associate Director at Oldham Coliseum, and at the moment I'm directing A Taste of Funny. Which is what we're going to kind of have a sneak preview of today. Yes. So why, why have you chosen this? Um, so I last season I had The Kitchen Sink by Tom Wells, and I was fascinated with kind of how that genre started and where all that came from and uh, no play fit that more perfectly than A Taste of Honey um, so 
The Kitchen Sink, 2012, Modern Family. And I kind of thought, um, yeah, where, what are the roots of that type of play? And then here we are with A Taste of Honey that was the precursor to Coronation Street and really is looking at uh, relationships within a family. Within this case, it's specifically mother-daughter. And, uh, and also because Kevin told me to, and he's the artistic director. <laughs> <laughs> um, and why, um, why do you think it's an important play for kind of Man- Oldham, Manchester, set in Salford, isn't it? Yeah, set in Salford. Again, like I said, it kind of set up the whole Coronation Street thing. Um, but equally, it's... I think certainly now, I live, live near Salford and go through Salford a lot, and it's such a changing landscape. Um, socially, politically, the community, but the architecture of the place is, is completely different to 1959. Um, so it's a real contrast piece to see what a place was and how the world was then and how it's changing. And in, in some ways, are we heading back towards that? Um, we took a few cast trips and research trips to Salford Lads Club and uh, kind of looked at the history and and now you kind of get off the tram at Media City and it's just a world apart yes yeah, yeah. and um, is there anything are there any kind of things in the play that you obviously it deals with quite a lot of issues doesn't it there's kind of um, race in there there's kind of social class um, is and I suppose women and kind of women yeah. is there anything yeah. that you have been surprised at that is kind of still relevant today or as you've gone through the play? Not, maybe not surprised so much. They're, they're two strong female roles and uh, they're fantastic characters who were kind of, when the play first came out, were very much ahead of the time in terms of seeing, seeing them on stage and, and how they are on stage. I think my main thing with the, with the themes and issues were around sexuality and, um, and race and kind of going, actually, the... Jeff, who who is uh, a gay character, and um, Jimmy, who is a black sailor, and at the time when it came out, it kind of caused shock about the um, a, a mixed race relationship and and Jeff being uh, homosexual and, and things like that. Just now, are completely, obviously, completely different. So it's kind of looking at those themes and going, how do we handle them? How do we? How do we approach that when, rightly so, the audiences aren't going to be sitting there going, oh, wow, he, he's, what, he's gay? What is this? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, kind of looking at themes and kind of looking at how things have changed in our approach. So that very much means that the attention from me is on uh, the, the relationships between mother and daughter and the cyclical behaviour within the play um, as a as kind of reflection of life and no matter how much Joe tries to fight and battle not being like her mum is is it possible is it possible for her to change her, her direction well this is the case My name's uh, Phil Robson and I'm playing the part of Peter. My name's Kenton Thomas and I'm playing the part of Jimmy the Boy. Uh, Jimmy the Boy, okay. And how did you become involved with this? I auditioned, um, yeah, just one straight audition uh, for Chris, who I had never auditioned for before. Okay. 
Yeah. So um, it's been a few. It's been like five years since my last theatre gig. Okay, cool. um, and I've seen Chris Chris's name on the circuit quite a bit. Um, have you listened to episode one of the podcast? Is that maybe where you've heard it? His name. That will definitely. Be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What about you? Yeah, same. I auditioned. Luckily, um, Chris came down to London and did a day of auditions there at the Almeida, and uh, I came and auditioned there, and it was uh, it's meant to be. <laughs> no, it was the first time, first time I've met him too, so, oh, okay. I, so I was really nervous, um, and uh, yeah, we just had a great vibe there. In the room, and I read it a couple of times, and I got the call. So happy. Um, Did you have a couple of auditions? No, no, no. Just read it a couple of times. All oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Do you only read it once? Um, I can't remember. That. <laughs> I think I read it, and then we obviously put it on your feet, and then we did it again. And then he looked confused, and then we did it again. Yeah, it probably didn't go that well. Actually. So that's a good one. <laughs> Basically, so if you audition for Chris Lawson, he looks confused. That's a good, yeah, that's a good sign. Um, um, so what, what is who's your character? Uh, Peter is. It, it, it's difficult because with these three male characters, the, in each in their own way, they're almost like not stereotypical, but sometimes they're almost like mythical. It's oh. like. Do, do they ever really exist? Because they're just like... I think everybody could relate to that certain type of right, okay. person. He basically likes his women. He jumps from pond to pond. Um, he likes older women, which is different. Um, because I think back in the day, everybody wanted the young dolly bird on their arm. He's slightly different that way. Has he got mother issues? I don't know. Um, he possibly does. Um, but he comes in, he treats Helen pretty badly like the semi-whore that it states that she is he uses her as a bit of jewellery in a way to drag her in the bars and the pubs and stuff um, and basically uses her for for sex basically um, it's more lust than love um, treats her badly floats in and out slightly more aggressive as the as the story goes on more dangerous you see his true colours and you see how it affects her and her relationship with her daughter because he's he wants Joe out of the picture so that he can have full control over her mother. Yeah, he's quite not a nice gentleman. Okay. And um Kenzie, what about your character? So I play Jimmy who is um a black sailor. Um I've said black first because I think that's that's the kind of one of the defining characteristics of him. It's important. Isn't it, is, it? it is important to it. It's not just um, another thing about him because of the time. Uh, yeah, so he's a black um, sailor in the Navy and um, he meets Joe um, around Salford and they have this kind of whirlwind, um, brief but um, intense relationship, uh, which is kind of like the, her first relationship, really. And uh, during the process, we've kind of realised that because nobody else in the play ever meets me except Joe, we're only. Um, we're only seeing him through her filter, right. and so it almost feels like a dream. And we've kind of embraced that idea that um, was it called that I come in and it's all it's all flowers and lovely too and everything perfect, like that. It's a little bit, yeah, it's too yeah. perfect, yeah. And um, it's a bit like the, it's a bit like the music that kind of flows through the piece, the jazz. He's kind of comes in and just kind of dances, and right. yeah, yeah, it feels very much like that. Mm. And then um, and then he leaves. We don't see him again, and we just kind of see his um, effect that he's had on her. And then, can you tell us a bit about your process from between finding out you've got the part before till rehearsals begin? Do you have the same process every show, or does it depend on the genre? You want our secrets? 
Well, yeah. <laughs> you don't have to disclose. <laughs> I actually forgot about it, to be honest with you, because I didn't think I'd got it. Because um, like 10 days went by with, mm. with no word at all. So as an actor, if you don't hear anything within mm. two, three, four days, you kind of just like, you learn to not let it affect you and just get on with yeah, the next yeah. one. And then they phoned up and said, um, yeah, you've got it. And then you're thinking, okay, how many people turned that down before they got on the list? I'm not going to question that. I'm just going to pretend I was first on the list. Um, and then it's just a case. I never learned lines before going into rehearsals. Well, that's just a full stop. I never learned lines. <laughs> never learned lines. <laughs> the lines learned. I don't believe in them. <laughs> I should bring my own lines. Mark, it's all about mine. <laughs> <laughs> it's all about mine. So he mimes and I just make up. <laughs> but yeah, that makes it. <laughs> <laughs> it's an interpretation. Uh, yeah, and I, I just find that. I don't want to unlearn things because I think you can do too much yeah, before you start something and you understand who you're working with and the different personalities and the different characters in the room and you just you just pick up different things when someone else brings something and you just think straight away oh right okay I hadn't thought of it yeah. like that so I'd rather not unlearn things and just start from scratch so I familiarise myself with it and the story but try and go in with as blank a canvas as possible what about you, Kenton? So, yeah. So, did I, you forget about it? No, I didn't forget about it. I needed the work so bad. I was, <laughs> I was, I was over the moon. <laughs> um, I was happy. <laughs> no, no. But, yeah, actually, a few people in the room, well, nearly everyone in the room said the same thing about they're not learning lines before. You know, before. But um, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the opposite. So I totally off book before the first day, but only at a basic kind of like monotone level. So the words are all there, but the, the, there's no meaning yet because I don't know what the other person is going to, you know, layer upon that. So yeah. So What's all that stuff when you keep shouting line? Line? No, I say yes, please. Oh, do you I'm say so, yes, I'm so, I don't say line, I'm saying yes. <laughs> like, I feel like line sometimes is so aggressive. People are like, forget their word and they just go, line! I'm like, poor stage manager. So I always say yes, please. <laughs> yeah, so, so kind of, yeah, off book. And the, the ways to do that is you, you wanted ways of how we kind of like, Learn lines, is that what Yeah, or just like, do you use anything with like music or character development? Do you oh, do anything like so that? So before this play, I, I love jazz, so I was just layering up on jazz and just kind of getting into that world, and I was just in the 50s and 60s, just, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm all about that. So yeah, listened to it, made some Spotify playlists to listen to it around the world. Research-wise, um, because as, as I said before, um, character, one of his kind of defining characteristics is that he's black mm-hmm. in the 50s. I did a lot of research, which terrified me, um, just because if you look at 58 and what it's like, it's, yeah, um, you know, the, the, the year of the Nottingham riots, you know, we've got Oswald Mosley going around the country spewing fascism right. and hay, and um, yeah, it's only, I think, what are we, 10 years after the Windrush, yeah. Mm. So, um, so yeah, we're all, you know, we're all kind of new here, and uh, I think it was, it's lots of preaching about... Um, Repatriatism, sending people back home. You know, well, you know, people have been here since invited here since the Second World War, so I consider it home. Yeah. So I was like, what would it be like for me to be walking on those streets in Salford? What would it like? How brave, maybe the word, or I don't know, risky would it be for me to approach yeah. a white female yeah. in those times as well? Um, yeah, so so it's a lot of research into that, which kind of which I, I've um, I was I was able to let go of when I did more research about the um, what's it called the military and the navy, oh, which yeah. was 
you wouldn't, which was a lot more inclusive. Right, okay. Because, because you know, we're all, we're all fighting the same goal, mm-hmm. aren't we? So, um, yeah, so, so, so his world isn't so much that. He's not, he's on the ships, which is mm-hmm. a little bit different. So, yeah, so lots of uh, research about the, um, about the time, music, line learning, audio learning, visual, and then, you know, kind of things like that. Um, so is there anything um, in the way Chris has approached his play that has surprised you or has been different from how a, uh, a different director might have approached it in the process? He is um, very much initially frees you up, so, which is great because you just go in and kind of like just, just get it out, just splurge it, just do anything you feel your body wants to do. Don't ever feel like there are constraints from day one because that's the worst thing to do. Um, just go for it, and then sort of we'll rein it in. We'll find out the bits that work. So it it is a completely non-pressurized right, yeah. environment. So that's turning up in the first week and just going yeah, for yeah, it. Just no, script. no micromanaging or kind of like um, giving spoon feeding you what's it called ideas. It's it's all it's all notes or all questions. Right. So yeah. you find your own way through the piece. But he, he, he knows where it wants to go. Okay. Clever and we weren't buried in the script either. Yeah, yeah. We, we did like a little bit. We would unit it. Um, we would find the different points where, the, where, where it would change lane or change direction, even very slightly, just with different energies. So uniting that's going through the script and just drawing like a line across. Yes, the if someone this, in this part yeah. of the script, this is happening. Yeah, if someone enters. It's a separate unit because yeah. a new energy has entered the room. New events. Someone might. I might say to you, we we'll stop talking about that now. Anyway, how's your cat? No. It's a new unit. Different. Which is insane in this play because they just they oh, they're, yeah, they're, they're all different. Because everyone's just got a different. Oh, yeah. They're all after something different. Yeah. One thing I normally try to do is find my objectives, act, actions, and um, what, what are my given circumstances? Impossible in this play. They just, Which has angered you? Hasn't it's, it? it's just. What do you say? So, objective is what the actor, what the character wants, and yeah, then the, the um, yeah, the actions. Yeah, yeah, what I'm doing or what I'm doing to achieve them. My given circumstances is kind of what um, other world the constraints have been put on me. You know, what things like that um, that, 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 that kind of constrain me with within my kind of freedom. And you've not, and you've not managed to so do just, that. Okay, you love that. <laughs> You He's now squatting just, on his chair. Just because, just because they change, they change line to line, they change. So I was like, oh, this is just. And we'll end there, and you can come. What, what, what does it? When does it open? Twenty fifth. Twenty fifth. So you can come yeah. and see if Kent has managed to achieve subjects. <laughs> so you can guess my given circumstances. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Thanks so much. Thank you. My God, I've got a shocking call from somebody. Have you got a clean anchor, John? Man's stripping wet with dabbing at the nose all day. And this, it's nearly clean. Oh, isn't that light awful? I'll do it to see all the shades of electric light all dangling from the ceiling like that. Hey, I'm Sammy Dowson, and I am the designer on the production which means designing the set and the costumes. Okay. How long have you been working as a designer? <gasps> I've been... <laughs> I've been working as a designer for about 25 years. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. And how, is this your first time working at the Coliseum, or have you a regular...? No, no. I came up last year 
Um, I designed Hard Times with Chris again um, last year, and um, we uh, we we were actually introduced to our agent. That was quite canny of our agent. You got the same agent. Yeah, yeah. Um, we um, we just got on very well straight away, and he had. I think he was looking for someone. The Hard Times script was very, um, it was tricky and it required somebody who'd done, very specifically done, uh, plays with lots of uh, role sharing um, and doubling um, and it was a very physical adaptation of Hard Times. So Chris wanted something, very a, a set that was very adaptable um, and that's... Uh, my sort of speciality is problem solving and we just got on we just got on and then and now you're doing taste of honey yeah and has that been a different uh process obviously it's not quite as yes well it's a totally different script it's a totally different type of theater but what i'm noticing is the things i think that chris uh particularly likes um he likes vigorous storytelling um and he likes to be very direct about the storytelling which i think is great um because that's the baseline always is just getting that story across um to the audience how did you come on board did he approach you did he approach you oh he just yeah. phoned me up again so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's always nice no when you find when you find that's how that's how it works with directors and designers if you've got together and you've got on well um then you like to go um to that person again because you it just saves so much time if you can communicate um, on a level with each other do you are you kind of in Oldham um, uh, for the, the whole of those four weeks, or do you pop up for a day or two? Well, I'm I'm up uh, three days a week. And you're based in London, are you? Basically, I'm based in London, yeah. and I'm a working mum, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so I have to juggle things around a lot. Um, but my family are very supportive, um, so I'm up three days a week. Um, and those three three days are absolutely full, chock a block, uh, with meeting everybody and making decisions about props and doing the costume fittings and shopping and seeing the set and making sure that everything's just um, ticking along and everybody's happy and yeah. everybody knows the direction that we're all going in. Um, and then when when it gets to Tech Week, then I'm in. That's it. I'm in for the whole of that week. Yeah. And then when you're applying for jobs, yeah. obviously it's different with Chris when he phones you up, but yeah. how does it work? Do you... You don't apply um, for jobs as a designer. Mm. It's the absolute classic um, in theatre. It's knowing people. Mm. It's people seeing your work. Um, it's people seeing something you've done and getting in touch with you. Um, social media now is a huge thing, I think, for designers. And obviously you have your website. So it's, it's really about making, making contacts like that. But really the work just comes from the work. It's just somebody sees something you've done, they really like it, they get in touch with you, you meet up, you see if you get on. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of that now. There's a lot of sort of uh, just meeting for a coffee and um, having a chat. Um, because that is so important because you've got to have that relationship very fast Mm -hmm. Um, 
you know, because most most shows are, you know, three or four weeks rehearsal, then the show is on for, you know, however long it's on for, and it's done, and you're on to the next one. And normally you're overlapping as well as a designer, so you're normally working on two, maybe even three shows at the same time. So you have to be able to get on with everybody um, really quickly and really easily, yeah. And how much, so we, we've obviously been just had the, the pleasure of being on your set, on the sofa... So it's kind of marked yeah. out, and you've got the kind of the props for rehearsal and the yeah. set for rehearsal. How much is that going to change now? So in the third week, got one more re- week. The end of the week, Saturday, is the last week of rehearsal. Then we go into tech week um, on Monday. Then we're doing uh, we have like two, three days of technical work um, before we get to the dress rehearsals. So we've got. We've got the huge, it's kind of, it's a quite a huge mountain to climb, especially for the actors, because they've had that safety of the, of the uh, rehearsal room, and then suddenly they have that step up onto the, onto the stage. With this type of play, and it is, uh, because it's a period piece, it is quite, uh, it's quite proppy, and it's quite a lot of costume, lots of costume changes to deal with, and that all has to happen very fast. So as well as the rehearsing the scenes, um, they would have been using some of their costume to do the transitions between the scenes. And with a play like this, you cannot mess about with it because once we move onto the stage, um, if we mess about with those transitions, it will throw the actors. Mm-hmm. Um, there might be a sudden, oh, that's really not clear, we really need to change that. But it's pretty much, you know, set out in the rehearsal room in the way it's set out. So that transition to the stage is much easier. Um, and working in, um, I imagine you've worked in all different kinds of mm, theatres. Yeah. Um, and this is Oldham Coliseum, which I suppose is a medium-sized, sort of size mm-hmm. theatre. And um, how does that change in terms of your role as a designer working within that theatre? Oh, there's. <laughs> Theatrical spaces just come in all shapes and sizes, you know. The interesting thing about the olden stage um, is that the, the audience is quite a wraparound audience. So the sight lines, even though you have a, a quite a large stage, the sight lines are very tight. So you have to work very carefully and really quite hard to solve the solve the problems of the play, but also make sure that everybody in the audience can see everything that's going on. So that it, that's quite a tricky three-dimensional uh, problem to solve. So it's because if you've not been to the Colosseum, it's uh, proscenium arch, is it proscenium yeah. arch end yeah. on stage, but there's quite a curve to the yeah, certainly the circle curve to the audience. Yeah, um, it's not really an end. It's almost not an end on stage um it also has quite a it's got quite it's a bit of an apron on the front um the fourth stage comes you know in front of the proscenium arch but then again you're restricted this is very technical now um you're restricted with the sight lines uh on the fourth stage because the people right at the top um uh, now let me get this i have to get this right oh i know what it is is they can't see over the handrail so if you're right at the, t- I think this is right. If you're right at the top, if someone comes too far forward, you lose them behind okay. the handrail. Um, <laughs> so what have you so, done specifically in the design of the set that you've done to to accommodate? Well, that? you'll notice, yeah, when you come 
when you come and see the show. <laughs> um, that um, the main part of the the main room is a sort of triangular shape. It is basically where the sight lines where the sight lines right, are. Okay. Where's the triangle effect with the big side at the bottom or the top? Uh, where's that? Where's the point? Is oh, I think I oh, think you'll have to come and see, see it, it. To, <laughs> to, to work that one out. And then there are peripheral areas on the, on the stage. It's it's all set on a circle, right. so the sort of peripheral areas are where stuff happens, but not so much. Right. So it's much more atmos- Those areas are much more atmospheric. It's really interesting to think about we, um, um, about you know Matthew Zia, who we interviewed, who's mm. who was associate artist director of the Exchange, was talking about the economics of when he chooses mm. a play. A theatre does seem to be one of those art forms that is it is about the practicalities as much as much as anything. So he was talking specifically about choosing yeah. Frankenstein that needs to fill a big auditorium, yeah. um, and this is slightly different. But actually, you are um, if. Chris, the director, says to you, I want to stage this in this corner. Yeah. You're going to say... Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I say, well, you can do that, but half the audience are going to see it. Um, but, you know, I mean, very specifically in this, you know, in this one, Chris is obviously, he knows this stage very, very well now. Mm. So um, he'd know not to do that anyway. <laughs> I, <laughs> well, maybe listen to this podcast Uh-oh. and then be like, oh, I need yeah. to change that bit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. Thank you. Oh, yeah. Sorry, one final question. Yeah. If anyone, so you were saying about social media and your website, yeah. do you want to do a quick okay. thing of what you oh my gosh. social media is? Uh, my website is sammydowson.com um, and I'm on Twitter and Facebook. Sammy, S A M M Y. S A M M Y. Sammy.com. Sammy Dowson. <laughs> Can't be confused now. SammyDowson.com. And Dowson, D O W S O N. Perfect. So let's get back into the space. We'll do what we did yesterday. So it's a production that will make you laugh and is entertaining, but it's got a lot of darkness in it and makes you think, and hopefully it will make the audience. Think and have long di- have discussions afterwards about about it. I think it's a play that has the heart of Manchester and Salford in it, and I think uh, a city that is um, and two cities that are, are changing and growing so much. I think um, why not come and have a look back at the history? Why not come and have a look back at? these uh, groundbreaking stories that were being told that really did start uh, a movement in theatre and plays and probably have directly and indirectly affected a a lot of the work that we see on stage now and also I'd like to uh, continue being able to direct plays here so obviously audience numbers do do help (laughs) so save a director I do yeah (laughs) Chris's career is online if you don't kill him. <laughs> if you're listening to this and you've not, you it's, per- it's permanently on the line. <laughs> so, The Taste of Honey is on at the Oldham Coliseum from the 25th of May till Saturday, the 9th of June. Get yourself over there. So, this special episode actually ends our series one of our podcast. So we hope you've enjoyed it. Thank you to all of our guests. We started with Chris Lawson. Then it was Hannah and Diana from ADP. Then Simon Naylor from 53.2. Then Joe and Will from Hope Mill Theatre. 
then Matthew's here, uh, who was at the Royal Exchange. And then last episode was Nick Redman. The vocal coach and wister of laughter. <laughs> uh, thank you for all the people who've been supporting and tweeting. There's been loads of you. Just a few off my top of my head. Um, Mankmaid, Dave Jones. Simon Naylor. Simon Naylor. Loads of you. Yeah, loads of people have been amazing. Um, keep it up. Keep emailing. Keep uh, tweeting. We're going to be back for series two soon, uh, uh, later on in the year, in the summer. There are some exciting plans being laid to make the podcast bigger and better. And we will also be on the lookout for more people to help out because so far it's just been me and Joe. And so we would love for more people to get involved with the general running of the podcast. So if you're interested, email us at contact at mbtpodcast.co.uk or tweet us at mbtpodcast1 or find us on Facebook. If you haven't yet subscribed to the podcast, download a podcast app, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, Podbean, or if you've got an iPhone, just your general podcast app, um, and search for us, Manchester's Big Theatre Podcast, and click subscribe, and that means you'll get all the latest uh, episodes downloaded for free onto your phone, so when you're on that rainy train journey, which is a high chance of happening in Manchester, (laughs) um, you have all the episodes ready. So, thank you very much. We have been Sophie. And Joe, And we shall see you for Series 2. This has been Manchester's Manchester's Big Theatre Podcast. You fucked that up. You (laughs) fucked that up. You, how many times you let me do it? Okay, let's try oh, again. No. Oh. <laughs> you looked at me like kind of like. Let's do this together. Okay, you do it. No, we can do it together. But you need right. to. You do it together. We'll do it together. But you need to get it right. Okay, okay. right. So this has been Manchester's, Manchester's big theatre podcast. podcast. Okay, better for series two. <laughs>